Hello, and welcome back to the Meraki Unbox podcast. My name is Sammy Brenner, and I will be your host taking you through today's episode. We have a repeat guest coming back from episode two. So if you're out there listening and you're a super fan, you might already know who I'm referencing, uh, but I will introduce him shortly, rest assured. In the meantime, let's get to some quick housekeeping. So if you haven't already done so, I say this at the beginning of every single podcast, subscribe, download, listen. We have new content coming out about every two weeks, and we want to make sure that you are a loyal listener and you catch every single episode. Uh, and if you have some great ideas and want to collaborate us with us or even potentially be on the Meraki Unbox podcast, hit us up on Twitter. The handle is at Meraki Simon. And if it makes sense, again, we'd love to collaborate with you and uh, have some feedback and input on topics for upcoming episodes. Okay. Let's do this, everyone, the exciting part. So let me introduce our guest. Todd Nightingale joined Meraki back in 2012. This was pre-Cisco acquisition. And soon after, became the GM and then the SVP GM. Uh, was at Meraki for several years with us and led us through some amazing transformation. And then in March of 2020, Todd tra transitioned to the greater Cisco, taking on the EVP GM role of enterprise networking and cloud. Prior to his time at Cisco, he worked at Motorola and held titles like Director of Engineering there. And before that, he studied computer science and electrical engineering at MIT, eventually making his way out to the West Coast. And we're very grateful he did that. Welcome to the Meraki Unbox podcast, Todd. How are you? Oh, super, super happy to be here, Sammy. 75 episodes. Congratulations. That is amazing. Uh, I know. It's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. <laughs> It is a phenomenon. Let's not wait 73 to get you back on, though. Can you commit to that right now? <laughs> sure, I'm ready. I'm we, ready. we want you as a guest. Uh, okay, so I'm super excited to have you back. You were on episode two. I listened to it last night. I was doing a little bit of homework, and it was a pretty short episode. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take more of your time, and we're going to dive a little bit deeper today. But thank you again for being back, and uh, let's get into it. You ready to have some fun? Sure. Perfect. So for those listeners out there who might not even be at Cisco Meraki or the greater Cisco who are tuning in and listening to this today, tell us your story, right? Who are you? What's your background? How did you get into technology? Uh, sure. My background, I think, is uh, fairly uninteresting, but I, I was super lucky. I, I got to go to school at MIT up in, uh, up in Massachusetts and... Um, I don't know. I went. I, I when I got to school, I thought I was uh, excited about computer science uh, and electrical engineering, but also mechanical engineering. Something about building bridges that just seemed so amazing—you could touch it, feel it. Um, but it became pretty became pretty obvious pretty quickly that I really was uh, really deeply motivated um, around you know computer science and, and networking in particular. Um, uh, I guess even as early as really my sophomore year, I was taking a class called Signals and Systems, taught by a, a guy, Professor Gallagher, who's a genius, uh, and was instrumental in the invention of uh, something, something called error-correcting codes, which became the original cable modem. And I, I somehow thought that if I, if I had a perfect score in his class, that he would help me get an internship at uh, 
a place called Motorola Codex, which is where the first cable modem was ever invented. They were doing amazing networking research. I worked so hard to have like the perfect score. I'm sure I was certain he would know exactly who I was and help me with that. And he, he didn't know uh, who I was, but, um, <laughs> but I think he did help me. I did, I did wind up uh, with an internship at, at Codex and uh, I got to do amazing research in, uh, in TCP and um, flow control and Q theory. And I just got hooked uh, this idea of, building the internet uh, and building the networks that connect everything was just so compelling to me back in 1999, uh, mm-hmm. just, just like it is today um, in, in 2022. So I, 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 I've been, I have just been lucky enough to be stuck doing what I love ever since, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. And I mean, the way you talk about it, you can just tell like that idea of building the internet, you were hooked. It was like a passion of yours clearly very early on in your career. Um, and lucky you found it so early on, really. Yeah. Um, so so let's fast forward a little bit. You have this experience, you're hooked. Uh, this idea of building the internet draws you in. How did you find your way to Meraki and what got you excited about joining this organization in particular? Sure. Um, I was a grad student in uh, the Network Mobile Systems Group. I was super excited, obviously, still working in networking. Um, but I realized uh, maybe grad school wasn't for me. Um, I loved research, but I just I wanted to ship. Uh, I wanted to take a product to fruition. So I, um, after my master's uh, degree, I, I joined the uh, smallest networking startup within driving distance of my house, basically, uh, in Massachusetts. Um, and it was a Wi-Fi silicon company. Uh, so I was like super lucky to get to work at the lowest, you know, lowest levels, bits and bytes of the protocol. I wound up bizarrely familiar with every bit in the 802.11 spec, uh, which I, I'm not sure I would recommend to anybody uh, <laughs> these days, but I loved, I loved that job. Uh, it was a company startup called Engem, and I mean, it was an incredibly dedicated group of folks who were hyper focused. And um, you know, I, I I learned a very important lesson there around product market fit. That that company was in fact a, a total commercial uh, failure. Uh, we we shut that company down uh, all the way. Um, and I think you know, looking back on it, uh, even even as we were. Uh, closing out, closing down the company, I think it became aware, it became real to me that the best technology in the world isn't always the best fit for the customer. And if you do not figure that out, you will, you will suffer. Um, and so I, I joined a startup in Atlanta after that. Um, my, my biggest requirement was a networking company that was selling technology to actual paying customers who used it. That was what I was looking for to do. And I was, I was super lucky. I, I joined a security networking and security company called Air Defense down in Atlanta. And they had a ton, a ton of customers uh, who were, you know, at the very, very high end of the market. Um, and I loved it. I loved shipping product. I loved talking to customers. For the first time, I was really engaged with customers using our product, who were using our products every day. Um, and I really liked the role, like running an engineering team driving the roadmap, 
engaging closely with sales, with product management, with marketing, with customer success. Um, it was awesome. Um, and we had a, uh, a really good run of it, especially driven by, you know, big government accounts, by retail, especially as this thing called PCI became a big deal. Um, we sold that company to Motorola and I, I was lucky enough to take over as the general manager of that group. Um, but as, as we were moving through that experience, I, another thing dawned on me, which is the, some of the most powerful, most sophisticated technology um, will never reach the whole market just because it is too complex. And, and that, that's really where we were. We had the most powerful wireless security products in the world. Um, but we could only reach the top, you know, the Fortune 1000 kind of sized companies um, because this was just really, it was sophisticated, it was complicated, and it was not, um, it was not trivial and certainly not easy to deploy. Um, and I started really thinking about that deeply and wound up, because of that, joining, uh, joining Meraki. Um, something about the Meraki product, to be honest, I, it was a free trial of Meraki that convinced me to. Wow. To I got free trial in, in the, uh, I got free trial in the, uh, in the offer phase of the Meraki program. And it was unbelievable. I, it, it just was a revelation. If you came up through networking, managing systems through CLI, through, uh, sophisticated, you know, interfaces, et cetera, that you had to use to get, get systems to really run, to really use all the power. Watching what it looked like, feeling what it looked like to use a Meraki system, just it just opened my eyes to the idea that you could change the industry by driving powerful technology that's simple. And I, I wanted to be a part of that. Um, I joined joined Meraki. Um, had a pretty uh, unusual job description. I was the head of strategy and uh, architecture. I ran the SE team, uh, which is one of the most fun experiences in my life. Be honest, um, and uh, that strategy job, and then the combination of working on the uh, on the with the product teams in the strategy role, and the, and the sales teams with the SEs, it was just a incredibly compelling role. I was super super lucky to have it. Uh, it turned out, even though it was like probably the most bizarre title I've ever had in my career. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, I'd just always be grateful to have had that experience for a couple of years and took over the GM role. And it's been an amazing experience ever since. Yeah, snowballs from there. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, watching your face light up and how excited you just got about talking about a free Meraki trial is truly how you were. So so back in the day when Ignite was in person, Ignite is this training program that Cisco Meraki does. And pre-COVID, they would fly in employees from all over the world and you start in this training class. And part of the training was having Todd come in and talk to you. And when I think about you, Todd, that Meraki magic and how excited you get about talking about our product, you'd have to do that training every two weeks. And every single person in the company, when they talk about you, talks about the impact that you had in that Ignite training session when you, you, when you came in and met those new hires. Um, cause it's magnetic, uh, you, right? That, 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 uh, new hire program was so awesome. I mean, everyone would come in so excited, so pumped to yeah. be there. So many different backgrounds. It was, yep. it was contagious. It was contagious. I yeah. Yes. I, I getting to present for an hour was, uh, was awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was the highlight for sure of that whole experience. But 
you know, transitioning and talking about this idea of, of the Cisco Meraki magic, Meraki actually means doing something with soul, creativity, or love. So in that vein, thinking back to your time at Cisco Meraki, do you have like a favorite memory or a funny story that you could share with us that comes to mind? <laughs> Sammy, there are so many ridiculous stories. Uh, uh, the funniest story is probably the day that, uh, the day we announced my transition to the general manager role, I was super nervous. And I, my boss is a GM at Cisco, got up and he announced my name and I was supposed to get up and talk to the team about the future vision. And I was, I was, I was pretty nervous. And about one minute into me speaking, the room just erupts in laughter, just losing it. Uh, which I thought was good because I was probably just really funny and just compelling <laughs> to the audience. Uh, and it turned out that directly behind me, behind the glass door, there was a dog relieving himself. Oh. And, and, and that, that reality was broadcast to three offices and remote employees around the world, thanks to Web Access. Oh. It was a truly embarrassing moment. And I think it just it brought the humor to the right to, to an oh. important moment. I, I, I still I still uh, get asked questions about that. That's my hilarious. Favorite. I'm sure that isn't my favorite memory, though, Sammy. I, I, I don't know. There are so many. I, I'll tell you one that really uh, uh, touched me. I, I remember the first day that we launched internally, just to the Meraki teams, uh, the camera product. And actually, we did it off-site. We got the whole uh, San Francisco team. Um in a room, uh, in, in a big uh, kind of theater room, did a, a product, a live product demo, streaming video and motion search at the time. And the, and the wow. product team was horrified that we were demoing this too early and something would go wrong in front of everybody. And it worked so perfectly. The team was just so excited. It demonstrated this power of simplicity and the idea that this idea, this simple deployment of powerful technology could expand beyond the network. Uh, it was just an internal meeting. It was just the uh, the Meraki folks, but I think it just showed how powerful that platform was and how powerful this concept of simplicity is. And I think we all left the room just knowing uh, how, how important it was going to be. And then, you know, months later, I'm sitting up on stage with like thousands of partners at Partner Summit launching the same product. And I could feel that same energy in the room. I don't know. That, that might be my favorite one. That's awesome. I mean, as a, as a salesperson, I'll say when I first came on, the cameras were my absolute favorite thing to talk about and demo. They were so simple, easy to use, and customers and partners flipped out. Every single demo, you'd hear, whoa, or that's cool, or wow, or we don't have to retrieve footage that way anymore. We can come in. We can actually look for a clip. Like, it never gets old hearing the, the, the wows and the excitement. It just doesn't. Yeah. So I love that. Uh, I love that story. Thanks for sharing. So let's transition. I want to talk about your new role at Cisco or newish, right? Um, as you transition to the GM of enterprise networking and cloud, that is so amazing. And I think uh, Cisco nailed it. If I don't say so myself on that hire. Um, what have you taken from what you've learned at Cisco Meraki and how have you applied it to, you know, your, your new role at greater Cisco? Um, I mean, look, really, 
so many things. I, the, the number one thing is, is the, the value proposition around simplicity uh, and this, this real mission of simplifying powerful technology. I mean, Cisco in so many areas, in IoT, in campus networking, in, in data center and security. I mean, Cisco is delivering the most powerful, most sophisticated technology in the world. Uh, but if there's one thing to learn from the Meraki uh, story, it's how powerful it is to take that and, and make it simple and, and deliver it in a way that really democratizes that technology so that everyone can have it. I mean, we build undoubtedly the most secure, most sophisticated networking technology in the world at Cisco. Um, but some of the most powerful components, even to this day, some of them can only be used by truly sophisticated IT groups. Um, and there's a power to democratize the most, the most powerful technology. There's an opportunity to do that by driving real simplicity. And this, this platform that Meraki has, this phenomenon of cloud management, this mentality of driving products that are truly user-focused, that is something I see now being driven across the portfolio at Cisco. And we're looking at that and how data centers are managed on how uh, all of our campus infrastructure is managed, how security is managed across our whole portfolio. And if there is one thing um, that I, I took with me, it's that this new value proposition around simplicity that I think is key across all of Cisco te Cisco's technology. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and that folds perfectly into my next question for you. I mean, it, it's no surprise that Cisco Meraki is trying to align more closely with Cisco, right? As we make this transition and the market is changing and technology is advancing. Um, and I know you're, you're part of driving that change. What is the vision? And can you kind of potentially help us understand the roadmap of, of how do we take Cisco Meraki and what we built and what we've created and align it more closely to the messaging and the roadmap and the product with Cisco? How, do, how does that work? Uh, yeah, look, I think in, in, in some ways it's about um, it's about taking that lesson from Meraki and driving it to the rest of our portfolio. And I see it already. I mean, we see powerful cloud-managed platforms delivering simplicity uh, in, into the market. You see it in the IoT uh, industrial networking space. We see it in SecureX on security. Uh, we see it in Intersight. Um, but when I look at how Meraki aligns to that vision, um, there, there's a big part of taking the lesson of Rocky and bringing it to Cisco, but also realizing that this is one solution from one company. And if we build a suite of platforms that operate together as one user experience, as one effective solution, IT groups can radically simplify the management of their entire infrastructure from security to data center to campus to branch, even to the home now, as, as people are, are looking more and more closely at that, through, through one platform suite, that, that idea of a Cisco cloud suite. Um, and, you know, we're going to be working more and more on this. It was actually the biggest topic in my leadership offsite uh, just this week was um, this vision of, of a cloud suite. And I think there's an enormous opportunity uh, for us to do that. And, and, and look, I'll tell you, there's a, there's a million other ways. I've got groups all around Cisco looking to Meraki for 
advice and understanding how the model works. I think Meraki's go to market is so is so unique, uh, it, especially in the way uh, you know massive amounts of information uh, drives customer interest, drives uh, a real momentum into our into our teams. The way free trials work and the way demos work, I think we can do so much more of that um, at the rest in the rest of Cisco, but. There's something powerful about this idea of bringing our technology together, of having Meraki manage the broadest set of technologies that it can, but also be linked to those other platforms to drive a unified experience. And that alignment of one solution, realizing that to be truly customer-led means simplifying their entire experience beyond just Meraki. Um, I think that is the most powerful way we can align. Yeah, not a small feat. Easier no, said than done, no, right? No, no, no. Nothing worth doing is. Right. Good point. Good point. Well, and that kind of touches on, I think, the the networking experiences team, right? So what is the, the mission of that team and bringing together this idea of networking experiences? Um, and, and yeah, talk to us a little bit about the, the long-term goal for that team and, and what your vision is to, to bring these different subsets together. Sure, absolutely. A few, just a few months ago, we um, really aligned our entire campus networking uh, business under under one team, the network experiences team, under one leader, under under Chris Story, and that includes, uh, of course, includes Meraki. It also includes our largest portfolio at Cisco, the Catalyst portfolio, SD WAN, routing, switching, wireless, all all Catalyst uh, platform. Uh, really, the most powerful campus networking technology in the world. Uh, and it includes all of our industrial networking. Um, and it's interesting, there's an enormous amount of convergence that's been done uh, in this technology, uh, but there's there's so much more to do. Uh, we already see it. Um, for the first time, we've got wireless and switching, routing, SD-WAN, all running in one operating system in our, on our Polaris platform uh, on the Catalyst, uh, in the Catalyst line. And we've moved and, and now support that uh, that Polaris technology, that same platform into our industrial networking line. Um, but there's there's a ton of work to do. I mean, I think we have an opportunity to expand the management that the Meraki platform, um, the management of the Meraki platform to more and more of this portfolio and network experiences. Uh, but, but most importantly, and, and I think the name of the group almost says it all, it's just a deep focus on the user on the experience that user has, whether it's how they manage their uh, technology through the Meraki cloud or through DNA center, how simple can we make that? How easy can we make the choice? If they have industrial sites, they bring in industrial networking. If they have teleworker sites and they bring in uh, Meraki like Z3s or something like, how simple can that be? How, how much deeper can we focus on the experience? That's really the mission of that team. I, when they came up with that name, I was so blown away. I mean, it was just so perfect. And I think the mission of that team is really to drive that user experience, converge the technology in the right way to have the best possible user experience for the IT user and, of course, the, the end users who depend on these networks. Yeah, absolutely. And when, we, when we're out there selling and pitching our product and showing up as one Cisco, that is a key differentiator 
you know, from our competitors in the marketplace is this idea of joining teams together and having the best experience for the end user. Uh, there's a lot going on, right? And if you have disparate systems or networks and different vendors, right, I think a key differentiator of Cisco is that entire experience. And if we can work together as a team, simplifying that for the end user, right? So we've seen obviously a massive shift, right? Over the last two years, I don't think working will ever be the same um, in this post COVID world. Um, so we've seen a shift in how employees and in how businesses are working. Um, let me ask you, how is the hybrid work impacting, you know, uh, Cisco's approach to business um, and as a company for its employees and as a provider for its customers? Big question there, but what are your thoughts? Sure. Well, I'll tell you when, when I look at how it affects, you know, how we build the employee experience at Cisco, so much change that we, on, that we went through at the beginning of the pandemic and now we're going through as, as we look to return to the office. If anything, I think it has the biggest change I see is this understanding that we just have to listen deeply to our teams and, and completely rethink how they need to be best served, how, how we can provide the best possible employee experience. I've been impressed across Cisco. I, I've always been impressed with the Meraki team and in this larger role, looking across Cisco. Um, we're lucky to have Frank and Sudis looking after our, our people operation. And um, there's just this deep empathy and care. One of the Meraki values is to care deeply. I see that embodied so completely in, in in Cisco's approach to this. And in, in this case, it really means listening to what employees need, what kind of flexibility, what kind of work experience, professional experience, professional development is most important and driving that as a group, as a, as a one team. Um, and so I think the companies that really lead with empathy and understand that it's time to, to drive change, they're the ones that are gonna be most successful. On the other hand, on the other half of your question, I mean, it's been remarkable uh, as we look at the kind of technology and the kind of focus that we have on what our customers need, what IT groups need to support these kinds of transitions. Um, there has been a real fundamental shift in how we think about that. I mean, we thought for years primarily about building technology for the workplace, building the best networks in the world for schools and governments and businesses. And when we meant that, we meant the school, uh, the schools themselves, the, the business offices and the, and, and the, and the hospitals and the uh, government buildings. But that's not true. When we think about how to serve schools and businesses and governments, now we really think about working from home, working from the office and, and working from anywhere. And uh, I've been super impressed with the, the pivot I've seen around this, uh, a real deep thinking about what that, how to provide an enterprise experience in the home. Uh, the teleworker solution that is under enormous demand right now because so many enterprises are realizing this is mission critical work happening in the home. They have to expand their scope of management to the home. We see it in um, teleworker equipment on the Meraki portfolio. We see it in tooling, like the uh, Thousand Eyes endpoint agents that can be deployed on, on laptops directly and give enterprise-grade monitoring um, all the way to the edge. Uh, we see it in the collaboration side and how we think about what devices need to be in the home to provide enterprise experience uh, and in the security side around, around zero trust technology. Um, 
And when we do look back at the sites, about the enterprise sites, there's definitely a new focus on how flexible the site can be, how, how automated the site can be. And, and we've just had enormous investment in our Wi-Fi uh, technology, obviously, because as these sites become more flexible, more dynamic, more places to meet, not just places to work. I mean, the, the whole world is, is looking at, look, you have to have best in class wireless connectivity in every corner of the site. We have just enormous move towards network assurance, wireless assurance to ensure that uh, we're serving that. But it's, it's, it's actually building automation, I think, that's driving the biggest shift. There are so many more monitoring devices to ensure health and safety, to ensure that we are managing our sites well, that we're providing the right services. Um, and like the Meraki IoT uh, portfolio and its launch and, and just the ramp I see there, it just could not be better timed. This is a time when people are looking at how automated their sites can be from the cameras to the sensors to all the, uh, all the ideas that are in incubation in that group. I think there's just enormous uh, need for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for answering that. It is twofold, right? How has the business changed on the people front? And then how has the business changed on a technology front and the shifts and the differences? But there is no company that is better suited for this change than Cisco. That is for sure on either front. So um, thanks for diving into that a little bit. Uh, I have one more question for you. This has been super fun. And then we're going to finish it up with some quick, fun questions at the end. But, you know, for anyone out there, Todd, listening to this podcast today that is feeling inspired, maybe to make a change or a shift or explore a different business unit, um, what advice do you have for folks who are in career and feeling a little bit stuck or a little bit scared to make that leap? How do you make a change? It's a great question. I, I'll tell you, if you were... Uh... If you're feeling stuck right now, you shouldn't. No one should feel stuck. Uh, if you're working in technology, if you're successful, you're in more demand than you can possibly imagine. Uh, but uh, my, my, my advice is to think deeply about what you want. Um, I, someone told me the other day, like, oh, I've, had, I've worked at very few places in my career. I never thought about it that way. I'm like, wow, I feel like I've worked at so many places. Um, but all the, all the changes that I've made through my career, even if early on it was sort of um, subconscious, I, I think this has, this has served me well. I've, I've always thought about it in twofold. One is doing work that has high impact, the highest impact you can have, have the most impact you can have. Um, I think it's going to be satisfying. No one wants to go to work and and, and, and work hard at something that doesn't change the world. Um, and when you look at all the opportunities that are in front of you, um, thinking and prioritizing the ones that have high impact and even the one that has the highest impact is so important. Uh, and, the, and the second component would be never take a job that you are not gonna love that you are not gonna be passionate about and excited to come into work every day. Even if coming into work every day means sitting in front of a screen in your basement like me. Right. I, I, <laughs> uh, I have loved coming to work every single day at Cisco. And I feel like that is why, that has driven me to be excited about my teams, excited about the technology, excited about the work. 
not every shred of work you you do is going to be the the most fun you've ever had. But if you love it, uh, then that that those parts of it are are, are going to seem like small uh, compared to the the rest. Uh, and and those two things, if you have high impact and you love it, you're going to do better. You are going to do better. You're gonna your your career is going to continue to develop. And I think it's probably the best thing for for all of us. Um, so I guess that's my advice. Those are my yeah. two things. That's great. That's great advice. And I, I will say at Cisco, the beauty to being at an organization this large and that has this much scale, if you're in a role right now and those two boxes aren't being checked for you, right, that impact and that passion, talk to your leader. Tell them what energizes you and what you love doing. And there's so many different roles within this organization. Or if you're outside the company, your, your people leaders want to see you succeed whatever that means, right? So be honest about what energizes you and what excites you and where you can make the biggest impact and find a role where you can flex those talents, right? Lean into your unique strengths versus maybe being in a spot where you feel like those boxes aren't being checked. Couldn't agree more. Great advice, Todd. I love it. Well, hey, now it's time for the rapid fire portion. And I'm totally stealing this from Brene Brown because she does this at the end of her Unlocking Us podcast. And I love it. So Todd has not seen these questions. And Todd, when I ask them, just first thing that comes to mind, right? Rapid fire portion before we close out today's episode. Are you ready? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I am, but uh, let's, go. let's go. Let's do this. Okay. Last meal. What would it be? Uh, lobster and steamers Ooh. in Cape Cod, probably. Yeah. Beautiful. Yes, I'll be there. Favorite book? <laughs> uh, probably Catch Twenty Two. Uh, but I'm, but but at work, my favorite book is Radical Candor. My favorite book is, at work. My favorite book is Radical Candor. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you can have a fun one and then a work one. Okay, we'll take it. All right. uh, what's the first concert you ever went to? Oh, uh, I went to a Van Halen concert when I was eight. It was glorious. Rock on. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love solid. that. Uh, what's your favorite hobby that people might not know? Oh, um, I think people, most people at work know I cook. I, I, uh, but I've gotten into woodworking quite a bit. I used to do it back when I lived in Atlanta. I'm back onto it. Uh, thanks to the pandemic. Woodworking. Yeah, that's wow. interesting. Can we yeah. can we uh, submit requests to get things made? I'd love a new chair upstairs. Yeah, absolutely. Start the Just, list. Uh, you know, <laughs> hit me up. Yeah. Whittle me a chair. Okay, wonderful. Last one. You just mentioned you've gotten into cooking. What is your favorite dish to make? Oh, uh, I, I have been into cooking since uh, some terrible meals I made in college. Uh, I like. I, I love to make you know, risotto and, and braised for ribs. That's sort of my style. Uh, warms you up, you know, just totally warms you up. But actually, thanks to the pandemic and one of those like um, video team building cooking classes, I realized yeah. I've been making risotto wrong for the last decade. I, it really oh, no. opened my eyes. I, yeah. If you haven't gotten the truffle shuffle uh, risotto class, like at least look up the recipe. It is wow. game changing. It's Phenomenal. Change. So how are you yeah. making it wrong? What was the missing ingredient? I mean, it's just so many, so many different kinds of fat that go into it. I just, I was oh, forgetting yeah. so many of that. I didn't have, I didn't have enough butter or cheese or cream. There's cream. Who knew? I, oh. I yeah, it is. Wrong. 
yeah, there's the more the more fat the better when it comes to risotto. No doubt about that. Game changer. Yes. Game changer. Well, that is all I have for you today, Mr. Todd Nightingale. Thank you so much for coming back to the Meraki Unbox podcast. I hope you had fun. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Ms. Brenner. This was awesome. Good luck for another 75 episodes. Uh, I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Well, to all the listeners out there, thank you so much for sticking with us today. Again, if you haven't already done so, download, subscribe, tell all your friends and family about how amazing this podcast is. And we will be back in two weeks with more content. Hope you have a wonderful week. Stay safe out there. Sammy Brenner signing off. <laughs>